Welcome back to another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you being with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. Our guest, transportation expert, consultant, and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Great to see you again, Michael. Great to be here again, Fred. The June edition of The Dispatcher has arrived bearing the headline, The Future of Mobility is Slowly Coming into Focus. Give us the overview, Michael. Well, the overview is mobility is like a shoe. There is no one size that fits all. You know, it, it, it hasn't seemed to dawn on people who write articles for publications like Wired, the New York Times, or even The Economist, that not everyone lives in San Francisco, Brooklyn, or London. So what I tried to do in this, this article is to look at what are the mobility needs of people who actually live in different places. Yes, there are lots of people who live in big cities like San Francisco, Brooklyn, and London, or Shanghai or Paris, but that's not everybody. Now, the, the whole idea that everyone was moving out of wherever they were before and moving into the center of these cities was a myth. It was never really happening, but it, People like to talk about this as if it was occurring because it fit a narrative that seemed to be building, a narrative that venture capitalists like and that we're being fed into by folks who said, well, people are not going to need cars or people are going to, those cars that we're going to build are just going to be used uh, when people need, need them. Everybody's going to be sharing cars and mobility as a service was the future. That's fine if you live in the middle of Manhattan, if you live in the middle of London. I lived in the middle of London for a year. I didn't need a car. The last thing I needed was a car. I've lived in the middle of, of Stockholm during a two-year period. I didn't need a car. I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts for 11 years. I did need a car. I know people who lived in the middle of Boston. They needed a car too. They didn't need it every day, but they needed a car to do all the things that they wanted to do outside of getting to work and, and getting home. So the, the basic idea of this article was the reason I say that, that the future of mobility is coming into focus is that it's not one focus. It's not one type of mobility that's going to, to substitute electric scooters for cars or driverless cars used as taxis for buses. The appropriate mobility is what is needed in the particular locations. And those locations are th basically three. There's the big cities, which are relatively few, even though they, they take a lot of people, they're relatively few. And I give the numbers in the article. There are small to medium-sized cities. And there I, I bring up my old hometown, Scranton, but also bring in Trenton because that, that, that comes in the example of, of what we discussed during the Smart Driving Cars Summit. 
and and many of the other cities that are up to maybe 150,000, 200,000, where a large number of people live. And the needs in those cities are very different from the needs in big cities like Stockholm or London or, or Paris. And then there's the whole rest of the world where people live to work in farms or people live to work in, in, in mines. They live... They live in places which are not cities, even small cities. They may be villages or they may be even outside of villages. And the, the mobility needs of these different types of locations are extremely different. The likelihood of buying an electric car in the, in the middle of Siberia or buying an electric car in the middle of, 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 um, of Idaho versus having an electric car in the middle of a small city like Trenton versus having an electric car in the middle of Manhattan. I don't, if you don't have a parking place in Manhattan, I don't know how you deal with, a, with a, an electric car in the middle of Manhattan. I don't know how you, what you would do with an electric car in the middle of Manhattan. In Stockholm, they're proposing now that some of us remember that there were parking meters, you know, put a quarter in at first, you put a nickel in, then you put a quarter in and you could park there. And it was really nice because you knew how long it was going to last and you didn't have to worry about having a mobile phone and all this other crap. Now they want, they've taken them all away and now they want to replace them and use them to plug your car in, you know? So not only do you have the, the, the stand again, but now you've got a, a cable that's running from this, this thing into your car. I mean, it's just, the, it's mind boggling to think about this. So what I've tried to do here is to give enough space for each one of the of these different types of, of locations and identify what are the most important things for the people who are living there and how does that translate into the kind of car, the kind of vehicle that they need, whether it's a car or, or something else. And to try to, 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 instead of saying mobility as a service electric scooters, battery electric vehicles, that's for everybody, that's the future, and that's the end of the story, especially from politicians now, to saying, think about who's actually using it, what are the issues that each of these people have to address, you know, how are they going to get to work, what are they going to do, and, and let's, let's take that, let's take it from there. You've got an old-fashioned phone, Michael. <laughs> no, I have, a, I have an old-fashioned ringtone. One of the things that you talk about here, Michael, is the impact of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I guess one question, you can tell us about that, but then the question is, is this a blip or is it a shift? Uh, what, what's, what's good about what's happened now is that, that it has, it's put in focus something that was happening already. There was this idea that, that everyone was moving to the city was, was already out of date. I mean, people were moving into cities, but they weren't moving into you know, central Manhattan. They weren't moving into Beacon Hill. They weren't moving into, into uh, to, you know, to Chelsea. Um, they, were, they were moving into places where they were displacing the people who were living there, who you know, had lower rents, they could move into these locations, they gentrified. So South Boston, which was a place where, where, where working class people lived, 
has been gentrified. People have moved into to South Boston and the people who are living there, they can't move to another part of Boston. They can't even move to Somerville or, or you, know, you know, Belmont. Those places are too expensive. So what are they doing? They're moving, they're moving out, farther out into the places and places like Worcester, um, where there still are locations where they can, or Framingham, places where there still are lower rents, or they're moving to Scranton or they're moving to Trenton because there they at least can find a, some sort of a decent job and some place where they can live, whether it's, it's subsidized housing or not subsidized housing. So that, that trend wasn't occurring. And now what's happened is that, that a lot of the people who moved in there said, you know, we, we don't, we'd really like to have a little place where we can, you know, grill our hot dogs when, when, when we have to be stuck here in the next pandemic. Um, and I mean, this, this is, I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, it's, it's every, every day I'm reading about people in the, in the newspapers here saying that people are moving into where we're now living, you know, where the, they're moving into where we have been living for the last 10 years because we couldn't afford to mil- move into the center of Stockholm. And we've, we didn't want to move there anyway, but you know, it was a lot of, it was very expensive. And so the, the, the idea that, you know, everyone's moving into the center, well, maybe they are in China, China, because if you know the, the alternatives aren't too great, but even there, the, the idea of, of the, the difficulties that people have of, of getting medical support and, and all kinds of things, if they leave their hometown, is extremely difficult for the for people who who are you know displaced just because they need a place to work. So this it's highlighted the the fact that this was never a, a you know overall trend, and now it's being reversed. One thing I want to point out, and I couldn't put this in the article because it's just, it's really real news, fresh news. In the very north of Sweden, this, now we're talking about, you know, the, the polar circle, the, the, um, the polar circle. Um, Arctic circle. <laughs> the Arctic circle. Um, there are three businesses, three types of businesses that are moving up there. And one of them is, is Northvolt, which is making batteries. And the reasons that they're moving up there is because of cheap electricity and that's primarily at this point it's wind and and um hydroelectric electricity the other one is a steel company it's one it's sweden's largest steel company they're setting up a test facility to make steel using electricity not using coal this is big because you know people like to think that there's no coal in Sweden. There's lots of coal in Sweden because Sweden is a steel making location and, and Alan from Pittsburgh knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then the third company is a company making hi- uh, hydrogen, generating hydrogen, which will be used in the electricity processes, but it will also be used as an alternative to, to battery electric vehicles. There are about 100,000 jobs and, 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 and apartments and house, houses that are needed up in this place after people for many, many years are being supported for, li- for living in, in Boston. Now they're talking about giving support for people moving up. Talk about the sticks. In fact, this is beyond the sticks. It's tundra. There's, there are no trees up in places like this because <laughs> it's so far, so far north. And people are moving there because, you know, there are jobs there. And it's going to be a new way of life for a lot of people, not for those who are still there, who, you know, who've, who've guaranteed the borders are, are safe against all those bad people coming from the other other countries who stuck it out up there now there are people moving there and i think this kind of thing will be will the, the pandemic is just going to to has already begun to have an effect on on people making moving decisions which 
will affect how we think about mobility as a service and all this other stuff that people have, have been talking about loosely for the last couple, several years. Yeah, well, my, Michael, I, I think we know that that, uh, that a lot of migration, certainly the whole industrial revolution part, had to deal with where is cheap energy, okay? Why? Because, you know, maybe at one point the cheap energy was right here and so yeah. on with people. But, of course, now you give them machines that can leverage this, mm. but you still need the people. Now the machines need to be fed, what what feeds the machines is energy i mean you know why did you know in some sense why why was scranton there in the first place because it had cheap energy uh, you know why was patterson new jersey there because they had a waterfall yeah cheap energy why did all these you know plants and so energy was one the other one is of course the availability of transportation you know why are there so many cities along waterways why cheap transportation you know and you only went so far up a river such that you didn't have to build the 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 the, the canals and so on and 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 and, and to be able to then negotiate the the, the grade uh, you went as far as you could take the take the ship and that's where you locate it so i mean this will con this will continue on it will, it will continue on i mean in, in the future not everybody's going to be able to sit in front of a keyboard and you know and do there's all those of us that sit in front of the keyboard why why is goldmine Sachs going to have anybody on wall street i mean really what do you need the people on wall street for I mean, everything, you know, isn't everything done with this and with this and with this? Really, I, I have to, I, I now have to commute from Scarsdale on the whatever down the, or from Princeton on the, to go to, I mean, I mean are, are those people, what's going to happen to those, the, 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 the whole, you know, smart city concept of, hey, we need Shanghai's downtown Shanghai is all over the place or all the towers that that China built or okay sure you put some of those around the high-speed rail stations that you have okay yeah okay but is that really the the efficient way to dis, to to locate people because you have you, you know you can have a, a choo-choo run between just a, a few points and 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 move the masses is that really where people want to live or do they want to live in the villages or, or, or should China be looking at, you know, what, what the heck do we do to improve the communes? You know, maybe, maybe the communes and the villages is actually a, a pre, pretty darn good place for, for people to live or, or, or can't you do the mobility up, but maybe you can do the mobility piece in the villages and provide enough of the services there. Certainly, you know, Certainly nice to live in Scranton. Okay, yeah, it is. It was nice to live in Crafton, the first the first suburb outside of Pittsburgh. You know, uh, I mean, certainly wasn't the western section of Princeton, but you know, I enjoyed. It. I mean, you know, I was happy to be there. <laughs> Michael, will you have a yep. suggestion uh, in in the dispatcher, which? Uh, some may find amusing, so some not. Uh, that uh, major publications 
be required uh, to hire journalists who aren't living in the, in the big cities and that they and that those journalists try to get by without vehicles, without a car to experience public transportation systems. That it would yeah. open their yeah, minds, I, I guess, is the idea. There, there's a, one of my favorite, favorite writers in the, in the Economist, Bartleby, he's, he's in, the, in the business section. When um, a few weeks after London, you know, people stopped going into their work, he wrote, he wrote a, a a piece, and I've I've kept it, and I and I actually did write something back to him, but I never sent it to him because uh, you know it's just you get into these cycles, and they they, you know, they either they don't write back to you or they write back something which you know it's it, there was there was no reason for me to do it, but basically he said everyone's now going to work from home. Oh, really? Gosh. Um, who's driving that bus that's still running? You know, who's who, all those people who are working in the hospitals? How do you think they get to work? The people who are taking care of everybody that now has COVID nineteen, the doctors that they and you know, and it's not just them. It's the people who are cleaning the toilets. It's people who are keep keeping the electricity running. It's people who are making sure that the computers are are still. That's it's a large number of people. When it comes down to it, and I, you know, essential workers. There is a, there are an awful lot of essential workers. You know, every restaurant, every store, all of the things, all of the people, those books that were coming from from Amazon and all these other places, people were putting them in the in the packages. Those, oh yeah, somebody was actually driving a car or a van to deliver that package to you. And you, know, you you got your food delivered to you yesterday, whatever. And all of these people were out there working. And he says everyone's going to work from home. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, so yes, get, you know, get, <laughs> get in your, get on your bike and go someplace where people actually live and they have to do work rather than sitting in your apartment and wherever you are, Mr. Bartleby in, in London and thinking that you're, you're never going to go to work again. Yeah. I mean, well, if, if somebody, if, if a ditch needs to be dug, <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's, Pretty hard to do it from here, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no uh, such thing as the, virtual ditch, ditch digging. <laughs> there's no virtual ditch digging, you know. If if some fruit need to be picked, if 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 you know if 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 my uh, air conditioning needs to be fixed, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there there are there are of course a substantial number of folks. There there are also all. A bunch of us who are, I mean, although, you know, some might think that that we can teach online because we did it over this past, uh, you know, 15 months or whatever. I'm telling you, um, I, I at one point I thought that that some of the, these uh, teaching online stuff was was really going to uh, and and the uh, the University of Phoenixes of this world were going to supplant Princeton because it could give you a Princeton education for two or three orders of magnitude less, less yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I mean, really less because of course there's, there's the scale and all that stuff and the did do and the rip it. And I'm telling you uh, my experience with it, I was nowhere near as good of a teacher 
on this thing as I, at least I think I am in the damn classroom. And well, I aren't, can't aren't there people I, in other professions who may feel the same way. I'll bring, bring this up for you too, Michael, who mm-hmm. maybe do work in the office settings typically until the pandemic who are anxious to get back because they feel that the, whether it's the office banter or whatever, or in-person meetings are, are different than, than well, I'll, I'll bring online. it, I'll bring it to, to, to what I normally work with. And that's, that's automobiles. You know, if, if you think that you can de- develop and deliver a car remotely, you've never worked in the automobile industry, even, even if you are not working and putting, you know, screwing the things in and, and putting the, the electric cables in and doing all of the stuff, the physical stuff, a car is a physical object, but all the work that needs to be done in order to, to deliver a car whether it's a new car or whether whether it's a, a a revised version of an older car, I for the last year I haven't been to the place where this is all happening. Even though I'm, I've been part of delivering a new car, and I can see, and I did write about this a couple of issues ago. I can see the huge difference between what you can do remotely and what you can't do remotely, and I think. I mean, even for Goldman Sachs, the people who are working in the in the investment business, there's only so much you can do like this. You can have these kinds of meetings, you can discuss these things, but if you're doing a deal, you need to have side discussions and you need to be able to, to look people in the eye and have and say and get them all in one place and, and do what you need to do, whether it's drawing or writing or whatever it is, diagramming and, and not being able to do that, not having, having the capability of doing that, of having all of the people eyeball to eyeball and saying, now we have, to, we have to get this done. It's just not possible to do it virtually. And yeah. anyone, it's just, it's not. So yeah, if people I, have I, moved I, to the suburbs, does that then underscore the need for the transportation needs? Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, what I what I really liked about the the this this concept of okay, people are moving to the suburbs. Well, well, they they are they're already there. They're already if you there. say, well, they they're moving now with with a virtual life, you're able to move further away. You're able to to and if you don't have to commute five days a week, if you only have to commute two days a week, then you can spend an extra fifteen, twenty, and even an hour extra getting into the job twice a week as opposed to doing it five days a week. And I think that kind of flexibility does work. I don't need to be there five days a week, but I sure, I sure do need to be there two or three days a week to, make, to do the kinds of things that I need to do. A nephew of mine works at the, institutes, the National Institutes of Health. From the day he started 15, 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he's worked at home on every Friday. From the day he started, this is nothing new. During the pandemic, he's been at home Five days, not not so he hasn't gone into the office in a, in in a year. He's starting to go back now, but there, and there's certain things that you can do. But he's an industrial engineer overseeing people doing industrial processes, including developing the COVID nineteen. Now, 
it's a liability not being able to sit with people and do do work together. But it doesn't mean that you have to do it five days a week and doesn't mean you have to commute five days a week. So the, the kind of flexibility that you have in being able to do certain kinds of work at home versus doing certain kinds of work together with people. For the last 50 years, it hasn't been in the middle of the city. You know, IBM isn't, has moved out of, of New York City a long, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the important thing. It it isn't all in, you know at Wall Street, and in fact, you know, all the back office stuff of all that stuff is all you know on the Jersey side. And if you go to Jersey City and so on, it's getting to look like Manhattan. So there's a lot there, and of course, then then maybe what we need is is some additional coordination on on how we work so that we can you know we can be together when we need to be together and and you don't have to have everybody together at that same look at that same point and in fact you know the opportunities now for for let's call them suburban uh, office developments where where now you know there's a place that you can go to goldman sachs would have an office here in Princeton or, you know, somewhere near Princeton that the people here, you know, go to maybe two days a week. They go into Manhattan one day a week. They, you know, and they, they and then the other two days a week, they, you know, they can almost be at home. So, of course, now that, you know, the, the multiple opportunities, at least for the folks in which most of the work or a substantial amount of work is done on here. Okay. And, and, uh, you know, people and, and, and what people have done that and so on, you know, Hey, even at ALK, what they end up doing, you know, network coding and all the network data update, what they do, they actually ship that off to India to do it. And for a while we were doing, doing it in Russia, you know, why? Because again, you know, part of the production work that, that was, you know, where the labor was, where people could do it, were in their locale, you did it there instead of bringing him into the assembly line, bringing him into the ditch that you had to dig or bringing him into the, you know, house that you were building. You know, there, 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 there are certainly those fundamental differences in terms of where you work. And then of course, you know, you need transportation and our discussion here is usually or mostly about transportation, but it is about living, you know, you go to places for more than just you know getting the the resources so that you can feed your family you know you have to go get the food you have to you also you know have some other activities that you like to take do in your life and so you you really need mobility or opportunities to to go to those things and and to me that's what's that's part of also the the thought that if we're going to put the mobility out there or encourage the mobility to be out there, we we should be encouraging mobility that that is, of course, as we discuss affordable, which is kind of really important because then people will take it can take advantage of it. And now, you know, how do you make something affordable? Well, you can have a, a sugar daddy come in and, and pick up the tab, okay? great wonderful uh uh <laughs> that may be that may be a, you know, a tough thing or it could be it could be affordable from 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 the get-go why does it have to be expensive 
okay? And, um, and it's not that it's, oh, if it's expensive, it's better. I don't know, maybe, okay, I have to have my, you know, my Patek Philippe, see my Patek Philippe, uh, no, whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you have a, oh, okay. Uh, I have, uh, no, I used to go down the Canal Street, New York. and Company and, called and, Wise makes this one. Yeah. W-Y-Z-E. Uh, 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Oh, yeah. I, I was, I went, I went to the, the Pearl store in, in Beijing and I got myself a, uh, 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 an a Apple real... Watch, an Apple Watch, a real one that looked mm-hmm. exactly like the gold seventeen thousand or whatever dollar one, whatever. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm sitting in a in in one of these, you know, whatever restaurants in Princeton with my fake one, and somebody's looking at me like. Hey, he's got a real one of them. He's got one of them. I'm there. You could have offered to you sell it, it, Alan. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I've never been able to sell anything, so I'm not good at that one. So, but uh, I mean, you know, if you show, show up in a pretentious Princeton restaurant, you know, that's what happens, whatever. <laughs> we'll be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more information, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. You can find it under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about where you put your money. And you may know that ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast and our guest, Michael Senna. Michael, there's another story in the June edition of The Dispatcher headlined, Better Batteries Are on the Way, and you talk about a Denver-based company, Solid Power. Yeah, um, solid-state batteries. The, I need to pair that article with the, with the article that comes after after the article. So the, the first one is better batteries are on the way and talk about solid state batteries as opposed lithium ion batteries, which are solid state as opposed to having a, a, a um, liquid type core, gel type type core and the advantages of solid state versus, versus the current design for lithium ion. They're, they're give greater range. They're, they're, they are lighter uh, and also they are much less prone to blow up. And that's the second article, which follows the, the first one on, on, uh, on solid state batteries, where I discussed the, the whole issue of, of uh, primarily Tesla's having an accident and turning, out, turning into an inferno. So with the people inside, or if they're able to get the people out, but the car ends up looking like uh, the, the, the photographs that I've put in the put in the dispatcher. Um, personally, I would not buy an electric car today, knowing what I know about the state of batteries. That, that to me is, is, a, is, a, is a major problem. Yes, cars have, can blow up too, you know, with, with uh, gasoline and, and, and so on. But I don't think that we really have come to grips with the whole issue of, of the, 
the dangerous nature of of batteries, particularly in battery electric vehicles. I think that that solid state batteries give us a better a better potential. I think there's that we we have dangerous situations with all cars, but the fact that I, you know when you look at one of these cars that they can't put the fire out because it continues to burn and burn and burn. Um, if you're in the car and this is happening and you can't get out, there's, there's no, you know, there's no chance for you. So I think that, that if we can produce safer batteries, the possibility of having a, a wider spread of, of battery electric vehicles, if we can produce car batteries that have a greater range, it gives the possibility of having more electric vehicles. Um, it's only positive. But I think the situation that we're in right now, where we don't really know how safe or how dangerous these cars are, um, is is problematical. It's troublesome to me that the, that the governments have allowed this to occur without having any. Seems like even even in in uh, in Europe, very little control over this the the possibility that these these cars have dangerous battery situations. Well, this company has both uh, BMW and, and Ford as yeah. partners. Yeah, yeah. I think that that uh, Ford, I can we can we can have a long discussion about what Ford seems to have found its its message. It's it's I don't know whether it's a change in 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 tune or something. The, the new CEO, but they they seem to have found their message, and the message that that they're everything is battery electric vehicles. I mean, everything that they're doing before. It was we're going to stop build, building sedans. We're we're going to concentrate on SUVs. That was a year ago. Now everything they're doing is is it's it's battery electric vehicles. Um, BMW has been much more consistent, and the fact that they invested in Northvolt, that's the the company, the Swedish company that's making batteries, uh, to to be able to have batteries that are produced in Europe as opposed to all the batteries being produced in in uh, in China. Um, and they've said that you know we're investing in this technology because it gives us better better range. It gives, it's safer and it's lighter. You know those are the three things that we think are important. And for me, the safety part of it is even more important than the than the range and the and the weight. Um, but uh, yeah, and I expect more companies to be investing in in solid state technology or. I mean, in combination with other technology, not just battery electric vehicles. And if you look at battery, if you look at lithium-ion batteries, you know, and I've tried to point this out in the in the in the article. Look at you know the components of these; they're expensive. The much of what what is needed to put into these batteries comes from place single places, very few locations, and it's very expensive. So. Yeah, he's saying, well, we're going to scale up and then we'll be able to reuse the batteries, but that's going to take an awful long time to do that. And in the meantime, you know, you've got, you're pushing people into technology, which may not be as, as safe as some people would like it to believe that it is. Well, batteries have always been sort of the Achilles heel of this whole thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, you know, it, you can go all the way back to, you know, 1837 or something like that when people first started, you know, trying to play with batteries and, mm-hmm. and into a, 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 a train type toy train type things. I mean, it's always it's been it's been the tough piece. And, and 
you know, I, I sort of say to say to the students that, uh, you know, if 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 computers had advanced at the rate uh, that batteries have advanced, uh, we would be, <laughs> we would be, I mean, where, where did we, I put we, that we, floppy disk? Uh, you <laughs> know, I mean, it's even worse than that. So, I mean, it, batteries have been really tough. And, and I also sort of throw out there, it's not because extremely bright people haven't tried to do something about it. You know, you know, Edison, I mean, one to do batteries better. Every, I mean, batteries have been really tough. Not, you yeah. know, who knows what the breakthrough is going to be? Who knows who the Bill Gates is going to be of batteries or, you know, the thing that the, the entity that kind of breaks it open. Um, the, the solid state have been, have been, you know, have made some progress, but, uh, but as, as you point out, I mean, there's still some very heavy lifting there to do, fundamentally heavy heavy lifting to do to, to have batteries. But they need to improve several orders of magnitude. They, they need a Moore's Law, you know, uh, to really um, make this. And if they do, then whew, then it's great. But, you know, it's, it's the weight. It's the, it's the you know, how expensive you know what are the source materials it's the size it's the it's all those things and you you look at you know the the boeing and what it had to go through with batteries in the in the dreamliner you know how long was that delayed because of the fear of you know a fire coming out of yep. those batteries and, yes, and, and exactly you know it's this is not new this is uh, and it is but but we we absolutely have to deal with it and you know i throw out with respect to the tesla stuff you know first of all if their automated emergency braking system had worked the car wouldn't never hit the tree okay so all right get that sucker to work but mm -hmm. the car hit the tree okay now holy hell now the battery comes into play and damn it you know uh you got to do you know if you're gonna let it hit the tree then you better deal with a battery okay so you know uh, in some sense at, at least do one of those things <laughs> Preferably get the braking system to work. <laughs> uh, well, both of them. I mean, no, no, let's deal with, I mean, you know, it's, there's not that we don't have stuff to do. Okay. We have stuff to do. Well, some other headlines to touch on, uh, Alan and Michael. Uh, May Mobility is beginning autonomous shuttle service in Indianapolis in June, a couple days away with the vehicles having an attendant, they say, to explain the technology and make passengers feel safe. That's going yeah. on. A lot, in a yeah. Lot of well, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, that has to. We have to deal with the sociology of this stuff, you know, and that, and we're assuming that the te technology works, but just the, the technology working is not enough for this. For this, okay, <laughs> you know, we. <laughs> I don't know how Henry Ford got people to, you know, accept the 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 Model T. Uh, you know, and 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 get people to buy them, and and actually, you know, go out and trust them, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't know. Maybe you got a federal grant in infrastructure or something that allowed him to do that, or whatever. No, or no, he sold no. the hell out of it, or whatever, or made it so damn affordable that, of course, you know, they were they were, uh, you know, flying off the shelves. Um, well, 
yeah, they were actually compared to the to the numbers that were being put up in other places. And when in the twenties, when when it got going in the United States with with inexpensive cars, and they hadn't quite figured out how to make inexpensive cars in Europe at the time or any place else, um, the the difference in the number of cars that were being sold was was enormous. And I've I've told the story. My my grandfather bought. It wasn't a Model T, it was a Model A, and he bought that car for political reasons. I don't want to go into this story too much, but he, he had two brothers-in-law who worked on, who lived on the same street, and the three of them got into his, his Model A every day, and they went to the mine and worked and came home. It meant that they, it was about a, a, a six, five-mile, five, five to seven-mile drive in the, in the car, but it, it meant they didn't have to take the, the trolley line down. And the trolley line in those days, in the in the 30s, late, you know, late middle, middle, late 30s, the trolley lines were filled with spies. And the spies were from Mussolini's crew. And they kept their eyes on, on what was going on with the with all the Italians, all the Italian Americans. You, you, you laugh about this, but but I've I've read the stories, and this this was not funny. You know, no, I'm they not, were trying. I don't mean my, it. I, my my uncle, my uncle, when he turned 18, was drafted. I mean, he had lived in the in the United States since he was since he was um, six years old. But when he turned 18, he was drafted into the, the Italian army. I was drafted into the French army. <laughs> okay, I didn't go. Yeah, well, he didn't go either, <laughs> and he didn't go. He didn't go back to Italy until I was not going to Algeria. <laughs> Are you joking? I mean, I wasn't going to Vietnam, let alone go to Algeria. Oh, but you want to talk about? You want to talk about reasons for buying cars? I mean, these, you know, there are lots of reasons for buying cars. Not only just getting getting to and from work or getting to and from church. Yeah. No. Another story. Reuters yep. reports that I'm not. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Sberbank, uh, the biggest lender in Russia, has developed a fully self-driving vehicle that they called Flip. Might want to rethink that name, uh, which it describes as a taxi of the future. <laughs> Maybe we they should call it Nova. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's a name. Right. Uh, so that in 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 Mexico, whatever. Never mind. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> So the, this, the work is going on in Russia as well, of course. Well, great, great. No, I mean we we need a lot of we need we we need a lot of industrialists and 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 ingenious people trying to do that. We don't. One you know, one interesting great. thing, as per what Michael was talking about, they're saying replaceable batteries will power the vehicle's electric motor, but it can also harness the power of alternative fuels like natural gas and hydrogen mm -hmm. same vehicle interesting oh no, that's that that's very interesting i mean it's <laughs> it's one thing to say i can turn my diesel from a petroleum diesel into a into a biodiesel and suddenly i've got no um, no um, emissions from the fuel but to say that i've got a i can either run my car with on a replaceable battery, fuel, battery. A replaceable yeah. battery you know and Okay. Well, that's you know, whatever. I mean, may, maybe it's like the Volt. You know, it has a little what I who, 
<laughs> a lot of stuff appears out there in the Sunday supplements that, you know, where the, the, the folks pay for the, the placement in the, in the, in the news thing, not to suggest that that's what happened here. Never mind. Well, <laughs> Wired has a report that says when driving is partially automated, people drive more. It says a study finds that users of advanced driver assistance systems drive nearly 5,000 more miles per year than similar drivers without the technology. Surprising? No. Uh, when I saw that, when, when you mentioned that, Fred, I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to find the study. And, and the guy who wrote this, the guy, the wired guy who wrote this from his place, his office someplace in Silicon Valley or somewhere in San Francisco, I really would like to see what, what this means. If there's a direct connection between buying a car with advanced driver assistance systems and the amount of driving that you do, I just, you know, I, I find that I find it difficult to make that connection, but who knows? I'll, I'm, I'm going to look for the article. I haven't seen it. Well, Alan, if you took that cruise control away from Alan, he might not I, be driving. I, I, his I do. I, 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 I believe this statement, okay, that people who have these gizmos drive more and maybe drive 5,000 miles more than the people that don't for two reasons. One is, if I drive that much, I go out and buy this stuff. Therefore, I get counted as a person who drives a lot. And I'm no longer counted as a person that drives a lot without this stuff because I don't have, I, I left them without this stuff. What's sure. left over and without this stuff are people that don't drive. Okay. So of course the numbers are going to come out this way. One. Number two, it's probably not 5,000 miles worth, but you know, I like to say the only reason, well, like to say the only reason you go someplace is to improve your utility your quality of life otherwise you wouldn't have you would have stayed where you are i mean i get i mean that's the economic argument on the thing okay so i go someplace i'm gonna be better off i choose that i'm gonna go there because apparently that's the best thing that I want to do at that point in time. Otherwise, I would have stayed where I was. I mean, I, I, I'm not stupid. I'm rational in my own rationality. I don't, I'm not rational in Michael's rationality. Of course not. I mean, he, he gets to have his own. I'm rational in mine. How else do I choose things? Okay. For something, it's my net utility improvement of being out there. Part of that is the joy of getting there, being there, whatever that, praying in, in the synagogue, okay, all right? But it, that's diluted by the pain in the butt associated with getting there, okay? So if all of a sudden the pain in the butt associated with me getting there is less because I have gizmos on the car, then to end up praying in a synagogue, it's not going to have to be as good as it would have had to be if it had also not only be 
fundamentally good, but also make up for the pain in the butt to get there. Okay, the disutility associated with getting there. So all of a sudden, if I have something, which is a whole argument about having, you know, affordable, cheap, and so on transportation, it it enables, it, it makes things that otherwise you wouldn't have taken advantage of to improve your, your utility, you go take advantage of them. Okay. So therefore, it's going to, by natural, I mean, you know, if it didn't do that, you know, some of the fundamental economics of transportation wouldn't exist. I mean, why do you want to make it cheaper? So you have a greater range of marketplaces that you can go to and so on and so forth. Here, you know, these gizmos, they do make, at least to me, in my mind, they make driving easier. They make driving less of a pain in the butt. They make it, they really reduce the cost, the generalized cost of mobility. So therefore, because of that, then of course I'm going to use it more. But 5,000 miles more? Yeah, that's what, 100 miles a week? That's a lot, Okay. But I think you need to just turn it, turn it around and just and say the reason that people buy these these tools, it's a tool. It helps tool. them get the job done. As you said, you, you have yeah, a job it, you're doing. Absolutely. The reason you're driving is because it's it's you need to do a job. And, yeah, because, and driving because it, is part it, of the job. It, it, it improves you. It improves your you, you think it's good for you. You know, it gives, I mean, you, it, it gives you opportunities to do things that are good for you. Yes. It, if if I'm if I'm a butcher. I want to have sharp tools. I yeah. don't want to. I don't want a dull knife. So if, <laughs> if my if part of if part of my job is getting to the airport at four o'clock in the morning, I want to make sure that I've got a car that's going to get me to the airport at four. If that's the only way I'm going to get there. Yeah. And and you know where we where you live depends on how you can take a taxi, you can take the car, whatever it is. But if you yeah. if you're dependent on your car to get to the airport, you want to have a car that's going to get you there with the, yeah. the good tires, you know, et cetera. So if, if part of my job is using a tool to help me do my job, then I want a, I want a good tool. I don't, yeah. I'm not going to depend, I'm not going to have a car that I can't depend on if I need to depend on getting to an airport at four o'clock in the morning to make a flight to someplace. And if I miss, miss the flight, you know, I miss my job. I don't have an income sure. and I'm screwed. So that's, that's very important. I think it's the, the, I'll read the article because I think it, it's like, you know, oh, I don't know. What, well, what no, the, but I think the way, the way you get the numbers is that when you, when you compute it up before, what's the before situation before people own these things, you know, they, you know, before they own these things, the, the people, they didn't have it. So therefore the average miles driven by those things was a high, a, a number that distribution, much of that had people who drove a lot. Okay. Now you I'll put it in another it. way. <laughs> I'll put it in another way. Yeah. The person who has the person who's bought these tools would have driven those 5,000 miles anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you know? I agree. So it's not, it's, it's, you're looking at the people who buy the tool, not how much, not what it's affected. So if they drove 10,000, now they bought the tool and now they drive 15,000. They don't have 15,000. They don't have an extra 15, 5,000 miles to go someplace. They always had 15,000 miles. Now they've got a tool 
and they they're the ones who buy the tool in order to to help them get there <laughs> just like so why is this article important i don't know <laughs> I, I don't that, it's not it it's it, it's not important it's not at all important it's just it's just they're making it important to somehow say that just because i got just because now i have a knife I bought the knife. I'm going to become a butcher. I'm going to become okay. a butcher. Right. No, that's not what happened here. The person <laughs> who bought this before there were not, not sharp knives and the butcher was like sweating all over the place. Okay. So they're all nuts. Now, all of a sudden, somebody de designs a smart knife. Whew. Man, butchers buy them. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, so you count them up you over here on the butcher. <laughs> you know, they're using it like hell. You know, the other people. You know, there's <laughs> they weren't butchers. You know, you know that. But before that group included some butchers, so of course you had a distribution of butchers in there. Yeah, the number. It's it's you know. You can take statistics and they can give you a lot of information. You can also take some other statistics and make some sort of point that you're trying to make, which is pointless, which is just wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, what the hell? Have a ball, Ward. I mean, it's maybe a, maybe that one I should move to 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 uh, to, um, you know, uh, uh, clickbait. <laughs> and and yeah. that, that would, you know, I mean, it's out there with yeah well you guys certainly had the knives out <laughs> we want to thank uh, michael senna once again for for being here with us the website is michael senna sena.com thank you michael thank you very much fred always a pleasure and uh keep keep those great dispatchers coming really i mean very very, very informative, very mind-stimulating, uh, and, and extremely well-written. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology <coughs> ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn for podcasts. You can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching and please stay safe. And have a great Memorial Day weekend. Those of you here in the US of A, the rest of the world, I don't know what you call this weekend. You probably have a three day or also because we are all in enormous need for a three-day weekend.